0: And remember, quoting is for the week. This is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. What's up, Permission Nation? Charles Specht here, host of the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. Glad you are here. You know what? You could be doing a lot of other things. And so to put my voice in your ears is a privilege for me. So thank you very much. In fact, would you, um, hey, would you go to wherever you're listening to this and actually leave a review? Five star review would be great. I would appreciate that. Um, if nothing else, shoot me an email or send me a message on LinkedIn and let me know that you're listening. I would love to be able to converse with you there as well. As I'm continuing now with this this series on dealing with how to overcome some of the objections you have with the the insurance buyer, or frankly, why the insurance buyer doesn't trust you. Today, we're going to be getting into something that most insurance agents do, and frankly, a lot of marketing departments do. And It might be you. If it is, you might want to consider not doing it. Um, Certainly, with regards to the um episode that went live on the podcast today. Today's um, October eleventh, twenty twenty one. Today, a podcast episode was released. And it had to do with the superior submission of an underwriter, how you put together a superior submission representing the insured to the marketplace like a Ferrari rather than a used Buick. You will get better results, better rates. And so kind of switching it up a little bit, kind of looking at the other side of that coin, rather than a superior submission to the marketplace, maybe, just maybe, you're one of those producers who just goes and blocks markets. Maybe that's how you do business. Maybe, well, maybe not you necessarily, but then again, maybe somebody in your agency, maybe your marketing department does it that way, maybe it's just your competition. And so, yep, it definitely works. Um, it definitely works at times, and certainly it could even be a, um, a relatively decent strategy if you are the current agent who's on the actual account, the incumbent agent. I like to look at it more as securing markets rather than blocking markets. Blocking markets has a bad reputation in the insurance business. Securing the better markets is a better way in which to actually do this. But blocking the markets sort of just insinuates that you're not really giving the underwriters a shot, that you're just kind of blocking the opportunity for the insured to get a better deal or another quote from another agent because you're just now you having blocked them from actually getting any kind of a submission to the marketplace. This is not necessarily at all in the insurer's best interest. Blocking the markets without any re- real intent on working with those carriers or those underwriters is definitely not in the insured's best interest and it really does hurt your reputation. It hurts your reputation with the underwriters. It also hurts... Your agency's reputation with those underwriters because the insurance business, you know, it changes on a regular basis. And even though you might not necessarily need that insurance carrier today, maybe next week or a few months from now or at the, you know, maybe next year at this time, maybe they become now the competitive carrier that's out there. And suddenly you have a terrible reputation with them because you put together bad submissions, you block the markets, and they don't necessarily want to work with you. They don't. So today, the title of today's podcast episode is How to Be Better Than a Block the Markets Broker. How to be better than a block the market's broker. Okay? So um, have you ever gone into um, like an antique shop or someplace that sells a lot of clocks? Like grandfather clocks and a lot of clocks on the wall and so forth? Um I, I don't think it would be fun to work at that place. I think I would go cuckoo if I worked at that place. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> that's my great joke for today. I think I would go cuckoo. Uh, back when I was um, first into the insurance business, I think the first year I was a broker, there was um, a, a senior agent who worked there. He'd been at the agency for a long time, really good guy. He gave me this really kind of nice antique clock that was sort of a wind-up clock, and I put it on my wall, and the thing was kind of cool to look at. Um, But the thing is that it only like would work for about 24 hours once you wound it up. And so you had to keep winding it up. Otherwise, it would just stop keeping time. Well, I definitely tried it like for a few days and I just got bored with doing that. And so I just think I just thought, okay, well, it's just going to like be it's not going to tell the time. Uh, But here's the thing. It was it told the exact correct time twice a day, twice a day. It told the exact correct time twice a day, and it was close to the correct time, a large percentage of it. In fact, you know, like five minutes before the actual time, it was pretty close. Like it was give or take, it was pretty close. So there was a fair amount of time that it was either really close to having the right time or it was dead on, having the right time. But the vast majority of the time, it was off, way off. I want to tell you that that's kind of like what the process is with blocking markets is that it could work for you sometimes. It can even like work for you um, a fair decent amount of time. But frankly, after all is said and done, it is not a very good approach. It is the approach of an amateur. It is the approach of um, fear. It is the, pro- the approach of not having the insured's permission. It is the approach of not being convinced that the insured trusts you. It is the uh, approach of not having a good relationship with the insured. It is the approach of somebody who is just kind of winging it, playing chicken business rather than really being a professional. So how can you be a better than a block the market's broker? Now, as I said a little bit earlier, this is kind of the flip side of the episode that I just aired uh, that went live today. That episode dealt with a superior submission. This episode deals with an inferior submission. An inferior submission that usually is represented by a block-the-markets mentality typically consists of having an accord application for whatever lines of coverage you're trying to submit it to, loss runs, potentially, and maybe a supplemental questionnaire at least somewhat filled out in order to send it to the insurance carriers so that they will secure or block that market on your behalf. That is a bad, bad approach to selling insurance. Now I can tell you this. Um, The millionaire insurance brokers that I work with, and by the way, go to brokerofrecordletter.com and you will see where these millionaire insurance producers are at and how I'm teaching them to actually do a much better job. I do believe this one thing. The episode that aired today, as well as this one that's going to episode in just a few days from now dealing with the same topic, I truly believe If you could start doing this, take this one thing to heart and actually follow through on this to the point in which you you really become a a second-to-none type of agent in regards to this submission issue, if you could do this, I really believe you would be a millionaire. I believe it. I believe you would be making more money, hand over fist, than you would have ever thought possible if you could just do this one thing. This one thing thing. But it also requires that you be able to and have a pretty good process of being able to demonstrate to the insurer that it is quite likely their current agent is not doing this thing. This. Block the market mentality is a plague. And I know without hesitation that when I represent my insurance buyer client for example, when I represent the construction company and I'm serving as their risk management under my entity, constructivrisk.com when I'm serving as their risk manager, if their incumbent agent or any other agent comes across as somebody who really is just kind of like trying to get it out there to the marketplace as quickly as, poss- as possible and does not have any markets already in mind to tell me these are the markets they want to go to, I already know at that point, I'm probably not going to want to work with this agent. I'm probably not going to want to have this agent represent my client because I already know it's going to be a subpar performance. They're going to be be putting out an inferior product to represent my client out to the marketplace. And frankly, we've got one shot because the last thing that I or the insured want to do is have to sign a broker of record letter in the middle of the quoting process because that really does muddy the waters. It really frustrates an underwriter when they have received a submission from one agent and they start working on that, uh, that that account, they start working on it, and then they receive a signed broker of record letter in the middle of that quoting process assigning it to a new agent because they have to not necessarily start over from scratch, but they basically got to start over from scratch. You're now making them do a whole lot of extra work, and frankly when these multiple submissions start coming in, Um, certainly with broker of record letters or not, it really begins to frustrate an insured. And so I don't want to have an agent represent my client to the marketplace with an inferior submission Or to just go out to the markets and just block markets even before I've given them the authority to do so. Because if I have to have the insured sign a broker record letter, it does muddy the process and there is definitely a very real real scenario, a real chance that the underwriters lose a lot of the steam that they had to want to work on my client's renewal. Period. That's truth. That is definitely the way that it works, and insurance underwriters will tell you so. They don't necessarily like having to do a whole lot of extra work. They don't. So with that said, when you're meeting with a prospect or your uh, your current client and you're going over what you're going to be doing for them in the whole process, your services and so forth, you better, you absolutely better have a process written down in front of them that shows them day by day, week by week, what you're going to be doing on the renewal process. Which carriers you're going to go to, you'd better have it kind of marked out for them based upon the competitiveness that you're seeing in your state, in your geographic territory for those carriers based upon the insured's industry. You should have every single carrier that you represent mapped out in an order of preference that you want to actually uh, be able to work with in that order of preference. You should be. You should then also have, as I mentioned, a strategic process day by day explaining to the insured so they can see it. Not a, not a ton of text, but I have it sort of bullet pointed. What you're going to do to ensure a better renewal process for the insured. You want to be able to market the account so that you are the best agent out there to represent the insured to that specific insurance carrier. That's what you're trying to get across to the insured about why you should be the one that they work with. If you can't do that, you're going to actually begin to struggle. You will struggle. Now, can I tell you that blocking the markets is definitely a good strategy when you're the insurance agent? It absolutely is. I like, as I mentioned, the idea of securing the market, but let's just go with block the market for, for just the, the sake of ease and understanding it. Look, if there's 15 insurance carriers out there who are potentially writing the business, then I want to get the submission to all 15 of them because I want to be the one who shows up with the quotes, not somebody else. But at the same time, that's not in the insurance best interest. That there is the reason why they don't trust you. That there is the rub. That's why I have a consulting company, because the things that might be in your best interest are not, on the flip side, in the insurance best interest. In your best interest, it is your best interest to exclude the competition from being able to get a quote, certainly from a carrier that you represent. From the insurance perspective it might be in their best interest to work with a couple of different agents to represent those accounts to introduce competitiveness into the pro- into the process. But also, it could be that there's another agent out there who has the ability to get a much better quote out of a couple different carriers than you ever could. And so from our perspective as an insurance agent, it is in your best interest to block those markets. However... It shows that you're a bit of an amateur in the process, and it also shows that we're not necessarily concerned about the insured's best interest. That there again is the rub. That's why I have an insurance consulting company, because so many of the things that we do as insurance agents, and it's just because that's the way the insurance business is set up. The insurance industry is not set up for your success. The insurance industry is set up for your failure. It does not it, does, it is not set up in a way that is going to help you in the trust process with your prospects. It's just not set up that way. Commission, blocking markets, only working with one. I mean, frankly, why should an agent be, be uh, rewarded just because they were a, a day or two earlier on going to a particular market? I don't think that's in the insurance best interest. That's stupid. That's stupid. Why does the insurance industry work that way? I don't like it. Now, I understand why. Why most carriers have that, that, um, that requirement is because they don't want to do a whole lot of extra work. But I also think that, you know what, there's a very real sense in which, and there's some carriers out there that do that, they'll give multiple different quotes that, in, that an underwriter um, or different underwriters can receive multiple quotes from multiple submissions from different agents and they'll quote on all of those, which I kind of like because then it really does show me who's doing a better job. Right? It really does show it's the proof of who could do a better job. But I don't necessarily think that the insurance industry is very helpful when it comes to this. I do feel that the insurance commissioners should put a stop to that thing. I don't feel that they are really helping the insured get the best deal by requiring that only they're going to represent one agent going forward. I mean, frankly, do most insurance buyers out there tell the agent they can go to a market or no? No, they don't. don't even know about it. They don't even realize how insurance works. They don't understand that, and they frankly don't have time, because most of the time, incumbent agents, I'm speaking to you guys, I'm speaking about you and your clients. I did it, you did it, no doubt, that when we are getting ready and we're within that 120-day or 90-days window, we have our account managers or our marketing team put together the renewal submission and get it to the insurance carriers. Now, we may... you know, spend a little bit of time and really do a great job on the renewal application and make sure that all the exposures are updated and so forth. But frankly, most of the time we don't because we want to have it sent out to the marketplace. Now, it might not even be the producers who are forcing that. It might be the marketing department or your account manager, customer service representative, who's doing that. Why? Well, because here's the issue. If you get blocked out... Because the customer service agent or the account manager or the marketing person wasn't quick enough, guess what happens? You're upset with them. And maybe the marketing person gets fired. And so it's in that marketing person's best interest to make sure that they get all the markets blocked or secured. The customer service representative is trying to make sure that that his or her producer isn't upset with them. This is the truth. So the process of the insurance industry is not necessarily set up for the insured's best interest, but it is set up for your best interest. And again, here's why, here's an example, here's a story about why this is set up this way, or, or frankly how, how poorly the insurance buyers understand this process. Back when I was with the first agency that I was at, um, one of the agents had I believe at the time it was a it was either a large landscaping contractor or a large plumbing subcontractor, um, and I just buy it was larger not not huge but it was just larger. Um, that particular insurance buyer didn't care who submitted it to the marketplace, and they said we're not going to sign any kind of a broker of record letter midterm. You better get in and secure the market, get the quote. Otherwise, too too bad. Now looking back at it. I didn't realize you know, what exactly was happening, why the insured was doing this, because I was still pretty green in the insurance business. But now I know that all that tells me is that that construction company doesn't know how to do insurance, quoting. They don't know how to best position themselves. They are kind of looking at it like a contractor, not necessarily as a business owner who understands the insurance process. But here's literally what would happen. I mean, this is literally what happened. That another agency or two also was putting together the submission... And apparently, each of these producers at the different agencies this was way back when you had to do stuff by fax, by the way, okay That's just a little bit how old I am. So this was back in like the early 2000s. Um, the agents would show up with their account manager at something like eleven o'clock at night um, at their agency, and they would have the submission in hand and Um, The account manager and the marketing person and the producer went to different fax machines and at exactly like 12 o'clock a.m. in the morning, they immediately faxed this submission to the insurance carriers so that they would be able to have the market secured because they needed to be first in. They need to be first in. And frankly, what was interesting is that the other competing agents knew that they were also having to do this. And so they were also at their agency doing the exact same thing at 12 a.m. And I don't even like, know how, how this would actually work, but whichever agent submission, I mean frankly, whoever's fax machine worked better was quicker. That was the one who actually got the, the market secured. And I remember this became an issue because the producer at mine, his submission was logged something like a minute later than the other submissions, the other submission from the agent competing. And because of that, he was blocked out. And he goes back to his. I mean, I believe that this was actually his own client. He goes back to the insured and says, "Look, you know, we, we submitted it. I was there at 12 a.m. You know, we submitted it to the insurance marketplace. We're blocked out by one minute. You know, I want you to sign this over so I can work for you." And the guy wouldn't do it. The guy would not do it. I mean, seriously, is that is that what we're teaching our insurance buyers out there? Is that is that the process? that we are allowing the insurance buyer to have in the whole renewal quoting process, that is our fault, that's my mistake, that's your mistake, that's our mistake. We need to do a much better job of helping the insured understand how they can do a better, better job at actually getting better results in this process. Are you a local insurance agent struggling to find markets for your clients? Look no further than Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. So, getting back to kind of the main topic of this episode, which is entitled again "How to Be Better Than a Block the Markets Broker," is that we have to be able to distinguish to the insured why we would be able to provide a better result. Now, I'm going to say something very similar to what I said even in the last episode: is that you should be creating a dummy, um, a dummy submission to show to your prospect. When you're actually meeting with your prospect, and I, I normally tell an insurance agent, put together a, a bl- uh, you know a, a dummy if you will, a fake workers' compensation submission. You know, put it into your your um, Epic or whatever you're going to use, and just say you know ABC Widgets, whatever it is, so that it will print out fully completed accord apps. Okay not just kind of like somewhat completed, nope, fully completed Accord apps with all the information. Then, you know, get some loss runs, and I would say black out all the basic information, you know, name of a, you know, get actual loss runs from like one of your accounts or somebody else's accounts that you've worked on. Block out all the names, the policy information, and so forth, but have it there. Put together a five-year summary on the claims and the payrolls, you know, by indemnity and reserves and open and close and so forth. Five years of total loss summary, and then also include a narrative of operations. Then you should also include things like resumes on the main owner, um, any other kind of major uh, um, decision makers, maybe even project managers. Have other information secured in that submission, like the safety program and the injury and illness prevention program, maybe a copy of their fall protection program, a copy of their certificate compliance program that they work with their subcontractors. I mean, all of this kind of stuff, you know, information on what they do for, uh, you know, safety protocol at a job site, the type of um, equipment that each of these people have to use in regards to hard hats and steel-toed boots and all of that. Um, job site safety, just begin, begin, highlighting everything. And then also, here's just like a little extra tip. highlight what the insured has with regards to health benefits for their particular employees. Now, for example, if it's a construction company and they're with a um, a union, well, they probably get the the benefits from the union. But you know what? there's a reason why the accord application asks one of the questions, you know, does the insured provide health benefits to their employees? You ever thought about that? You ever wonder why they actually ask that question? Well, I can tell you there's a lot of workers' compensation insurance underwriters out there who cannot or will not offer a quote for a prospect if the prospect does not offer health benefits to their employees. Why? Why would an underwriter do that? Well, it's because they're much more likely to have uh, fraud when it comes to workers' compensation claims if the employee doesn't have you know, insurance to be able to go to a doctor themselves. They're much more likely to show up, for example, on Monday morning with a back injury that they got playing softball on the weekend, but they show up a couple hours after Monday and then suddenly you hear, ouch, my back hurts. And so you have that workers' compensation fraud. That's one of the reasons why that question is asked on the accord application Does the insured provide health benefits? Well, tell you what, if you're a competing agent, don't just answer the question, yes. I mean, certainly if they offer a rich benefits plan, right? I mean, maybe... Maybe like there's a very high percentage of the employees who are on it. Maybe you should begin outlining to the insured in your submission, in your dummy submission, what the actual health benefits plan is. What is uh, how many of the employees are actually on the plan? How much does the insured pay per employee? What is the out-of-pocket deductible? Which insurance carries of which? What's which plan? Uh, maybe even give them some understanding about the utilization of it. Why? Because this is all information the ins- the insurance underwriter would love to see. Why is that matter? Charles? Well, because if the insured is really providing a very solid benefits plan to the employees, then the insurance underwriter is much more likely to want to quote on that. Because it's quite likely that the employer cares more about their employees, offers better protection, has a better loss control program, and so forth. It's just a better place in which to work. It's quite likely then that they're not going to have fraud, that the employees are going to go back to work as quickly as possible because they don't want to lose their job, and so forth, because the fringe benefits are frankly too good. They're too rich. So really put together a submission that will knock the socks off of your underwriter. A bare-bones submission handcuffs the underwriter to not be able to work with other people, with another agent, maybe even agents that they would choose to work with. Bare-bones submissions tend to not actually get quotes from the underwriter. Bare-bones submissions very often might receive like a declination from the underwriter or at least like an indication of not really being competitive. They might email and say, you know what, we can't be competitive on this. Or they email, we just don't have enough time to work on this. And so the account manager or the marketing person makes a little note in their system, great, when they give you the quotes and they put together the marketing system, how many times in a proposal does it list a carrier and maybe there's nothing there listed? There's not an actual declination, or maybe there's just an indication there. You know what that tells me? It tells me that the insurance agent, the broker, actually didn't follow through on doing a good job. They didn't follow up with the underwriters to get a quote. They didn't take time out of their precious schedules to actually reach out to the underwriter and push them for a quote. They just settled for an indication, settled for you know something that says, we we probably couldn't really compete on this, or we're going to be at $90,000 when the, the insured they know is paying $45,000. It's a way for them to decline it without actually doing an official declination. All this tells me is that the insurance agent was too lazy and he or she or their people just did not do a very good job for the insured. Does your proposal ever show up with a marketing summary that looks like that? If it does, do me a favor, smack your hand, and don't you ever do that again. That is the role of an amateur insurance agent. That is a bare bones market submission in real-world examples. How to be a better-than-a-block-the-market's broker? Put together the dummy submission that has everything. Explain to the insured that this is the quality of the submission that you're going to send to the marketplace. This is how you're going to represent them to the carriers. Explain to them, this is, requires an educational process. You're going to have to begin explaining to the insured how insurance typically works, that the insurance carriers can only accept one submission from one agent. And whichever agent puts together a bare-bones submission just enough, ex- define that for them, a Accord apps, loss runs, does, that's usually it, and submits it to the market, it then blocks out any other agent from being able to get a quote from that carrier. Okay, Many times the insured will know that, but usually they don't understand how that works no doubt they're irked. They don't know why that would happen. It it doesn't seem like it it should work that way. I deal with construction companies all the time. They can't stand it, right? I mean, they've got a general contractor and there's, you know, 13 different plumbing subcontractors who want to bid the job. They all offer their bids. And so they look at insurance like the same thing. Like, why can't I get a quote from three, you know, different insurance agents from the same carrier? Well, they just don't get it. But unfortunately, that's how it works we need to educate the prospect on how a bare bone submission actually hurts them, how it hinders them. We need to explain to the insured that we are not going to be doing that on their behalf. In fact, we are going to be doing this by putting together um, a superior submission rather than a bare-bones submission. We're going to put together this submission that will almost, if I can put it this way, 100% ensure that they're going to get the best deal they possibly could have gotten. If an agent puts together a bare bones submission, they might get a quote, listen to me, they might get a quote, it's just not going to be a very good one. And so just because an agent shows up with a quote doesn't mean that that's the best the underwriter could have done. I can almost guarantee you, whatever quote you ever receive, it's usually not the best that they could do. There's always a little bit more room if somebody would ask for it. Many times, though, you don't even get a very good quote because it was just a bare-bones submission in the first place. I want to just tell you, I personally, my goal is to completely revolutionize and change the entire insurance industry in this process. I am trying to get insurance carriers and underwriters to understand what this message is. I'm trying to get agents to figure this out. I'm trying to help insurance buyers. I'm trying to create a completely different system, approach, mindset, and educational system that helps people understand that they will get better results when they actually do the work. They absolutely will. You will absolutely get a better result when you're prospecting by showing clients the superior submission and by actually following through on it. Insureds will get a better deal. Underwriters will be happier. Nobody, nobody gets a raw end of the deal in the superior submission process except for the agent who does a bare-bones submission. So how to be better than a block-the-markets broker? You need to be able to show the insured what your process looks like, they will be much more likely to give you the signed broker of record letter to represent them to the insurance marketplace if you can do that. If you can do that. And I want to end with this. When you meet with a prospect and you build that rapport with them and then you begin uncovering the the pains and the problems that they have. Maybe problems with their, their industry and then problems with their specific company. And then you really begin highlighting and uncovering a lot of the pains and problems and frustrations that the insured has with their insurance carrier and the policy or the plan they're with. Then you uncover the problems they have with the agency personnel, such as the account manager, the receptionist who's rude, the workers' compensation claims manager who never follows through. You then even uncover more problems with the insurance, uh, the incumbent agent, the incumbent broker, the other producer. And then you highlight your services that you actually provide to them that you that you will do for them. You show them a copy of the dummy submission and how it's going to ensure a much better result in the entire quoting process. And then you ask for the broker of record letter. You ask for the broker of record letter. I want to tell you that if you do this process, it is quite likely you will, you will receive significantly more broker of record letters than you have ever received before. And I want to tell you that you don't ever have to go through a quoting process with a non-client ever again. Let me say that again. Let me echo it. I'm going to even speak a little bit louder so you can hear me. I'm going to talk right in the microphone. Ready? You don't ever... Have to quote for a non client. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. Now, when the insured becomes your client by a signed broker record letter, when they give you the representative, um, exclusive access to each carrier that you want to represent for the quoting process, then we move forward. Then we go through a quoting process. But do not ever be the agent who just block markets because that is an amateur move. And it's a big waste of your time, and it's a waste of your team's time, and it's a waste of the underwriter's time. You never have to quote for an account that is a non-client ever again. How to be better than a block-the-market's broker? You must decide to not be that block-the-market's broker any longer, to up your game, to be more professional, to be a millionaire insurance producer. My name is Charles Specht. I am the president and CEO of Permission Network, where I teach and train insurance agents how to build a $1 million or more book of business through signed broker of record letters. This is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast.
1: Hey agents, listen to this, listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it, think of it.